glorify him. The Lord is good, isn't he? He's always good. Every single time, he is good to us. All the time, he's good. We just thank you, Lord, that he's here in the midst of us. He is here with us. We are not alone. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us, does he? Ever, ever, ever. No matter what it looks like, he is always with us. We just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. The enemy's trying to get us burdened. Enemy tries to get us bogged down, tries to get you stuck in a rut, tries to get you stuck in the mud. And just everywhere I turn, I'm here. Everybody's got a different story. But in some way or another, the enemy's laying on the burdens, just trying to lay on stresses of life. We need to realize that those things cannot hold you. Do not let them hold you. They will not stop what God has said will be, period. If God has called it into being, if God has promised it, if God has spoken it, it cannot be stopped. You need to know that. What God has said, God will do. Did you know that? <laughs> it didn't look like God had declared through, you know, through the entire Old Testament, Jesus was promised and promised and promised and promised and promised. He was promised. And yet when he came, the enemy said, I'll squash this right here and now. And it looked like he did, didn't it? At the cross, even to the disciples, they were so confused. The Bible says they went back to fishing. They went back to their old ways. They went right back and just started, what are you supposed to do, right? Let's just go back to life. And yet the enemy hadn't won, did he? The enemy had failed. What he didn't realize is, is that there is nothing there is nothing that will stop the plan of God. There is nothing and no one that can stop what God has said will be. He said, I declare life unto this people. I declare life into my creation. And Jesus was the answer. And even when the devil physically killed him, he physically took his life. It couldn't stop him. The grave could not hold him. Jesus rose again and brought us into heaven. The Bible says that when you accept him and you believe in him, you are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ right now. Present tense. We are in victory. We are living in victory. What we must do is begin to live like it. We are in it, but we must live like it. That doesn't mean every circumstance will be perfect. It's a place in your mind. It starts right here. It starts with your thinking. And I'm not talking positive thinking. I don't want to teach you positive thoughts. The world stole that. You know that the, the world, the enemy's a copycat. You know, the Bible says he comes as an angel of light. All right, he is not light. He is not light, he is darkness, but he comes as an angel of light. He mimics, he's a copycat. And uh, everything in this world, every foreign re religion is a copy. And even things like meditation, it's in his word. We're supposed to meditate on God and meditate on his word. And yet then the enemy has taken it and then makes it weird. And then Christians go, I can't meditate because that's new age. Well, no, the New Age stole it. We're not going to meditate on how great we are and how we're one with the stars, but we're going to meditate on God and how great he is and his word and his truth for us and life for us and what Jesus did for us. And that if he did that, and if he did not spare his own son, what won't he do for you? You meditate on that 
and you're going to have some positive thinking without taking the world's books, 19,000 books on positive thinking. It's going to be real positive thinking. It's not mind over matter. It's Christ over the earth. It is. But it starts here. It is starts with you. What are you meditating on? And I just want to just quickly, in Joshua chapter 1, we saw that Moses in, in, uh, in the previous books here, right from um, Numbers and Deuteronomy, and we see the whole story in Genesis, how it starts here. God had declared an end to slavery. God had declared an end to the grip of the world on his people. The world had held them. Egypt had held the people, and Egypt is a symbol of the world. And God had freed them from the grip of the world. He had given them their picture. You know, when we read the Old Testament, it's a picture of Christ. Every story we, we read, every character is the, we call that in Christianity a type and shadow. It is a picture. It's a preview of what Jesus was going to do in the Spirit. Amen. Does that make sense? So when we read the stories, we shouldn't think this is Old Testament, this is New Testament. We should read it and say, wow, God, that's what you want to do for me. And he took them from the grip of the enemy, took them out of Egypt and freed them. They went into a place called the wilderness, which all Christians will go through. You will go through a wilderness time. It is part of your faith. It doesn't have to be forever. It has a purpose. And the one purpose is this. It is that as you come out of the world, you come out of the luxuries of the world, out of the ease of the world, and you come into a place where you must learn to rely on God. And we all have to go through that. We all have to go through the place where we learn to trust God. And God will supply everything you need. He will give you food. He will give you water. He will give you clothing. He will put people around your life that you need. And it may not seem like you have everything. And you might not see a big savings account. And you might not see the estate and the cars and all those things. But you will not be hungry. You will not be thirsty. You will not die. God will be there with you. And then there comes a time, though, where he says, okay, I think that you've gotten to the place where you've learned to trust me. Now I want to start to give you more. I just want to give you more. But he can't give you, and he holds back. He God is careful to give you precious promises for, until the right time. If your heart is not ready to receive it, if your heart is still in Egypt, then as you come through the wilderness and into a place of promise, you'll go right back. And that's what we see in the book of Joshua that the people ultimately do, right? And then we see the story continue into Judges and so on, right? And every king in First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, little by little, we see a degradation. There's a rise and then there's a fall, but, but a general fall down of people to the lowest place, where God himself had to come down and say, okay, enough of, I can't use people anymore. I need to come myself in the flesh and die for them. Now, God loves each and every one of us, every single person on this earth he loves. But the only people that experience his love are those that say, yes, Lord, I want to receive it. I want it in my life. And so God had prepared a people. They said, yes, Lord, we want to follow you. He says in Joshua 1, I want you to enter the promise. He says in verse 2, 
He says, it's time for you to lead these people across the Jordan River. And even the Jordan River symbolizes the place of crossing over. We talked about that. And, and crossing over, we're going across the cross. We're going to come out of the wilderness. We're going to come into the promise, the place that God has called us to be. God had not called you to be in the wilderness, but he uses it. As I said two weeks ago, he uses the wilderness to refine you, to teach you to shape you, to mold you, to get you to look to him. But it's not the place for you to stay. As Christians, they knew God in the wilderness, but it was not their permanent home. Your home is not to be in a wilderness with God, but God will let you stay in the wilderness as long as it takes to, to finally come to this place. Yes, God, I trust you. I trust you, God. I trust you. Now, as he brings you into the promise, it says, I promise you, in the NLT, it says in verse 3, I promise you what I promised Moses. He's talking to Joshua, but it's Joshua's message for all the people. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. That is the same promise. As we read this story, we need to read the book of Joshua as believers, as post-Christ, post the salvation, post-life, post the blood, and post the redemption. The promise has been complete. The way has been made. The Jordan split apart. The cross came across. The, the ark of the Lord stood in the middle of the Jordan, and a way was made. The way is made to the promise. It's done. That's finished. Jesus made that way. And as we cross across that Jordan, we need to understand that wherever we set our foot, he says, you will be on land I have given you. You have dominion over this world. The Bible says that, in, it says of Eve, it says, and Adam and Eve in, in the garden, but it says that God had made them special. We are not just an animal of animals. Society and science today just says we're an animal like the other animals. That is not true. There are animals, and then there are human beings. God did not breathe his life into the animals, but he breathed his spirit into human beings. We are not an animal. But yet, so we have this dominion of Adam and Eve and the animals. Now, they didn't uh, try to teach those animals. They didn't need to teach them their dominion. They just had dominion, okay? But then we lost it. There was this sin that happened, and, and we lost our place of dominion. We came into a place because of sin of the curse. We call that the curse. This time where it says by the sweat of the brow, you will, you will labor. You will, you will labor to get what you need. The ground will not give you what you need. And it says that the serpent will strike your heel. But it says that your heel will also crush the serpent's head. And there's this war going on between the two. But then New Testament, what does it say? It says of us as believers, it says, now you will tread upon the serpent. It does not say that the serpent will strike your heel anymore. He will try. Who knows the devil tries to believers? Have you felt the devil trying to strike your heel? Of course he tries. He cannot strike your heel though as a believer. We have entered into, the Lord has restored he has restored the dominion. He said, have dominion, he told Adam and Eve. He restored that dominion through Jesus Christ. We have dominion in this earth. The enemy will come to try and strike, but the Bible says that we will tread upon the serpent 
and the scorpion, the thing that stings, the things that strike, and upon the lion, the things that come to devour you. It says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but it says that we will tread upon the lion. Those things are underneath our feet. There was nothing that could touch Jesus. Nothing. No one and nothing. Jesus said, He's right before he's about to die. He is in chains. He is bound. He is ready for the cross. But he turns and says, you can't do anything to me except by my father's permission. If I wanted, I could have 10,000 angels come down right now and free me. The only thing that's happening here is because I'm allowing it. God had dominion. Jesus had dominion. It may not have looked like it in the natural. We need to get that as believers, that just because it doesn't look like it, get in the natural doesn't mean that you don't have dominion in the spirit. Doesn't matter if people curse you because they curse Jesus. It didn't take away his dominion. Doesn't matter if you have a whole bunch of stuff because Jesus, we don't read of him having anything and yet he had dominion. Come on, dominion is not a state in this world. Dominion is a place in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is above this world. This world is very, 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 very tiny. We just watched the video. I love science. We watched this video where they keep zooming out. They show the earth, and then they show the sun. I mean, they show Jupiter in between, but then they show the sun next to the earth, and the earth is like a little tiny thing. And then we go out to the big, big, big stars, Musifi, and then finally to, uh, I think it's something, Canis Majoris. I think that's the name of it. And finally, now the largest, now our sun is not even a measurable speck. But God is so big. Those are just stars within the universe of, of galaxies of galaxies. God is big. And the earth is very small. And us on this earth is even smaller. And yet God declared his love towards us. God so big came down to our level. But he did something in this earth a little bit different than we do as humans pre-Christ, which is he didn't let this world affect him. He showed us that you don't have to live in this world and be under its dominion. The world wants to try to have dominion over you. And God declares, I want you to possess every single promise. I want you to possess. I want you to possess what I've called you to possess. And again, I need to make this clear. That doesn't mean stuff. It may be stuff. Maybe God has a plan in your life of lots of stuff, but it's not stuff, right? He, can, he gives you freely because he loves. God gives us many, many, many things. I'm incredibly thankful that he just gives, gives and gives and gives. But I don't look at those things and say, okay, I've arrived in the promise because it doesn't mean anything. Living in the promise is living in God. It's living in him. But we need to understand that he said, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. And we need to stop as believers. We need to stop letting the enemy trample all over us. It's time to start trampling on the enemy again. God has declared it. God has declared it. The enemy is not going to trample on you any longer. It's time to start being the believer he called you to be. The only thing keeping us from being the believer that he's called us to be and the believers that we are sometimes being trampled upon is us. 
Jesus has made a way. Jesus has declared it. God declared it. He said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says here into to Joshua, which he says the same thing to us. He says in verse five, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. No one. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. He said, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. And he goes on and tells him, verse 7, be careful to obey as we were teaching the instructions of Moses. Don't deviate. Don't turn. Verse 8, study these things. Meditate on these things. He says, then you will have success. Verse 9, and he says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then in verse 11, Joshua goes and tells the people what the Lord has told him. Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession. The Lord is commanding us and the Lord commanded them to take possession of the land the Lord said was theirs. This, you know that this wasn't optional. You know that it's not optional to be a believer who has dominion. There's not two types of Christians. There's not a Christian that's dominionless and they're a Christian that has dominion. There's a Christian who's being trampled upon that the Lord is saying the same exact thing to you every single day. Grab a hold of the word of God that I gave you. Grab a hold of the name of Jesus that I gave you. Jesus said, if you take my name, he said, you speak my name to that mountain, it will move. If you speak in my name, if you grab a hold of my word, you meditate on my word, you understand that I'm with you and nothing can touch you. Nothing can stop you. If we understand that, we start thinking a little bit differently. We, then we start speaking a little bit differently. We start acting a little bit differently. It wasn't conditional. I'm, so, I'm sorry, rather. It wasn't optional. He says in verse 18 of Joshua chapter 1, anyone who rebels against your orders, what orders? The orders to get your butt in gear and start possessing what God has called you to. You know, there was a generation that went and said, it's impossible, we can't do it. We read back that Moses, when he led the people out, they went in, they looked, there was giants in the land, there was big fortified walls, there was impossibilities in front of them, and they said, we can't do it. Verse 18, it says, anyone who rebels against your orders, to what? To possess the land that I've commanded you to possess. It's time to get moving. He's telling this church, he's telling Christians across this world, it's time to start walking in what I've called you to walk in, a dominion that I've called you to walk on. This world cannot stop you. They cannot touch you. And the enemy is trying to keep us bound in a place of fear and of doubt and of worry. Who has experienced some of that, even this week? He brings the trial upon us to try to stop us. You know, I just thought of this very interesting thought. The giants didn't get any smaller. Did you notice that when you read into Joshua? They're still dealing with them by the time that David is... And even after David, they're still dealing with giants. The giants didn't get any smaller. The fortified cities didn't get any less fortified. But the people of God listened and said, okay, God. That's the only difference. The only difference from the generation before to the Joshua generation is they said, yes, Lord. We can do it. 
not because we're so strong and because our swords are so sharp, but because, Lord, we believe you. We need to believe him. We need to believe God. And he said, anyone who does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. You know, the Lord's still saying the same exact thing to us, except he doesn't need a, a soldier to go and put you to death. You put yourself to death. The Bible says that we're drawn in James, we're drawn away by our own desires. And it says when our desires give birth, they give birth to sin. When sin gives birth, what's it give birth to? To death. Your desire to do, well, the more comfortable route. God, I don't want to do that. You know, to possess the promise took work. To enter into a place of rest took more work than they ever had to do before. In the place of the wilderness, all they had to do was get up in the morning, gather enough food for the entire day. You only gathered once. You didn't have to go looking for it. It was right in front of your door. You get up in the wilderness, you get up, there it is, the Lord's got it for you. But to enter into the promise, once you've learned to rely on him, now he says, okay, I've taught you my ways. And let's look at this picture, New Testament. Jesus is doing it for the disciples. He's doing miracles. And then at some point in his ministry, he starts saying, now you feed them. You do it. And he sends them out. Then he leaves the earth in the physical sense, right? He doesn't leave us, but he left in the physical sense and then sent them out on their own. God's good, isn't he? I'm just thinking of TJ, sorry. I'm pausing because TJ's just starting a new business and he's nervous. He's nervous because he doesn't feel like he can do it. Feels like he's not capable or doesn't have enough experience and there's only one way to get experience. Do you know what the, the key is to get experience? To have experiences. <laughs> he's nervous. We're all, he's not going to quit, but we're all behind him and just keep telling him he can do it. But it doesn't mean you don't feel nervous. You're still going to feel worry. You're still going to feel doubt. You're still going to feel fear. It's what you do with it. God never condemns anyone for having fear and having worry, having doubts. It's what we do with them. Trials will come. The Bible promises us. Peter promises us that trials will come. But you know what God does with a trial? The enemy comes to crush you and destroy you and to get you not to trust God. He brings the trial. He puts the giant in front of you, makes the wall really big. Josh, you know, Jericho, as they go into in Joshua, we read about Jericho's walls fortified city. The very first thing God has them to do, they're going to enter the rest, they're going to enter the promise, and they've got to go take down Jericho. The enemy says it's impossible, and you'll never be anything. You're never going to do anything. Look, you're always going to be sick. You're always going to be worried. You're always going to have something. Every time you make anything, the enemy's just going to come and steal it away, and those are lies. Those might be truths and uh, facts in your life right now, but that's not truth. Those facts might be in front of you, but you know what God says? God says, if you will learn to lean upon me in that trial, what happens? Who's been through a trial with the Lord? Who's been through trial? Nobody. Just a couple of us. <laughs> when you come out of the other side of the trial, you come out refined. You come out a little scarred though too, don't you? But what do those scars remind you of? Remind you of not the pain, you remember, but they remind me, wow, Lord, this is all that I've only got this small scar. Really, I could have, I could have lost everything. I could have died in my trial. 
many times. Many, many, many times I, could, I should have died, and yet you spared my life. Thank you for this scar, actually, because this scar is a reminder, right? That scar is a reminder of your goodness. It's a reminder. See, the trials, they come. Stuff comes. The giants will always be there. The serpent will try to strike. The lions, the scorpion, the bear that we are commanded to subdue and to have dominion over is still trying. It's still seeking to devour. But they will fail only if we will trust God. If we let them have dominion, they will. You, if you let your situation have dominion, it will. It is not hard for fear to have dominion in your life, isn't it? It is very, very hard to overcome fear. But if we lean upon God, I, I love this quote, and I've said this before. I didn't say, I, I didn't write it, but I love it. It says, if you're afraid, then do it afraid. If you're afraid, then just do it afraid. That means that fear is not having its grip on you. It cannot control you. It's still there. I'm worried. Well, I'm going to do it worried. I can identify. I remember starting a business some time ago now. It's been a while. But I remember the first jobs too. And they said, how long have you been doing this? Uh, you're the first job. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. I lied. I said, oh, I, like five years, five years or so. I've got to tell them they were the first job. <laughs> well, it's my first job. You've got to learn somewhere. I'm going to learn on your house. <laughs> I was afraid. I was nervous. And then I remember my first day, I said, I made a mistake. This is not for me. And it's just fear. It's just worry. It's just doubt. It hasn't been easy, but the Lord's been with us, huh? Lord's with you. And that's what he said to Joshua. You know, he said the same exact promise to you. And I just want to take us through that right now in these next minutes. Just want to take you through some scriptures to prove to you how much he loves you and that it's for you. It wasn't just to Joshua, but it's also for you. It says a couple of things, and I don't necessarily have an order here, but I'm just going to start here where I tried to get to last week. And I had to do all that again. I apologize, but I'm just trying to get us to some place. It says in Hebrews 3, enemy's not going to stop us, is he? I have to say this. Enemy tried to come and put Gavin on the floor last week. Gavin was released from the hospital, and the last time was how many days? Like five days, four days. He was released in four hours. Four hours. Amen. Now... You know, we get into all the questioning, but Lord, why the seizure at all? Why not instant? We need to stop of all the, why, like, why the giants? Why walls? Why have to cross a river? Why the cross? If you start looking through the word, there's always things that we have to go through. Even Jesus. Why the whipping? Why the beating? Why the cross? Why the mocking? It's not the thing that you, that it, that's not, not God. It's the overcoming it's the Lord showing dominion. You know, the Lord is, is proving something to us and he's showing the enemy that he is God. Because the enemy comes and he allows, I don't understand it all. I don't pretend to be God or pretend to understand it. I don't. When people ask me, I just am honest. I don't know. 
I don't know sometimes, but what I do know for fact, I know this, that every single time, I don't know how much trial you will have to go through, but God will be faithful every single time. He will bring you out. He will get you back up off that floor and send you home safely again. And one thing is for sure, last time was four or five days, and this time was four hours. That's a miracle. That's God's hand of protection. And this church gathered together and we prayed over him and we need to like push aside all the questions of why the ambulance, you know, why not instant, right? We have some of those questions. We do. But I just say, man, I I texted him this morning and I said, is it all right if I I share this? Because I feel like this is a miracle. I just want to ask him first. Maybe he doesn't think it's a miracle, but he agreed. (laughs) He didn't think it was a miracle when he was having the seizure, but he did agree that after four hours to go home, that's incredible. I knew, had never been to the hospital either. Usually going to the hospital, then they do even more tests than ever. You know, there's no record. They want to do their own test, but this one said, you can go home. It's amazing. God's amazing. God is good every single time, all the time. We don't understand the process, and we need to just stop worrying about that process. We need to stop worrying about the in-between and just look at his faithfulness. I know that's hard, church, but I need to encourage you now because trials will still come, but every single time God will be faithful. There will be more Jordans to cross. There will be more cities for us to conquer, but every single time God will be with us and we will do it. And so he says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Don't you love that the, the world throws these statements away around, and they don't know the word, and they throw these statements around. It's like things like, don't judge. Don't judge, only God can judge me. And it's such a blanket statement with no, there's no substance to it whatsoever. You know, the word says right here to us as believers, warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hard against God. He was writing to the church here in Hebrews, not to the world. That's not condemnation. It's not like Tony. Listen, saw what you did last night. I'm not, I'm not pleased I'm dissatisfied with that, and uh, just wanted to let you know, and I know and God knows, that's not what the Word says. <laughs> Tony, listen to me, man. Listen, brother. Listen. The Lord loves you. He's got a plan and purpose for you, and that thing in your life, it, it will end up taking you down. I know you don't see that now, but it will. That's the love and the grace and the mercy that we should have for each other every single day, it says. And why does it tell us this? It says, why does it tell us that it's so important that we live right, that we get things right, and we're willing to even listen to each other about those areas? Because it says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Isn't that amazing? If we are faithful to the end... The reason that he gave Joshua such a strict warning, and I just, I wish we had 
Bible study time, hours and hours to really go through Joshua. All I'm doing is reading the intro and then telling you about it because there's so much in it. But the main story is this, that God warned them because there was many, 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 many obstacles in front of them. And sometimes they listened to God and sometimes they didn't. They saw God's faithfulness and his protection, his blessing when they listened. And they saw God's hand, not that he punished them, but he saw what happened to them. You can see in Joshua what happened to them when they didn't listen and do it his way. They felt the repercussions of that. So it's so important that we're faithful to the end and that we can't be worried about warning each other about this. Don't get weird about it and listen, receive it from each other and be willing to go and tell each other. Don't do it with an attitude. No one's going to receive that, but the Lord tells us to. Amen. That's the word. That's not the world. Forget what the world tells you. Listen to the word. The word says warn each other every day, every day while it's still today. Tomorrow might be too late is what it's saying. Isn't that amazing? He says, remember when it says, today when you hear his voice, and I just kept hearing these words, and the Lord's so good. His word is so good. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they had heard his voice? Wasn't it the people who Moses let out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see, verse 19, that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. And I tried to preach this last week. I was trying to get here. (laughs) And we're here right now. Listen up. This is what the Lord's telling us. Unbelief in him takes away our rest. It's such a simple principle, but it literally is so powerful unbelief robs your rest. What the enemy does is he will stack a whole bunch of stuff up against you. He'll stack obstacles against you. And in fact, to bring TJ up again, the Lord's going to bless him through that business. He's going to bless him. And I know that I'm not just speaking it right now as, you know, something prophetic. I just, I know that. And yet the enemy wants to feel like he felt like he wanted to quit yesterday on his first one. I'm not trying to expose him to make fun of him. I understand. I was there. But isn't it funny that the enemy will stack all these pressures and stresses against you and trials against you, and on the other side is a victory. It's not even a victory that you have to go through this to get there. It's already there. The enemy's just trying to steal what is yours. We need to understand that you were given dominion. You don't have to achieve dominion. This land is theirs. The land is yours. What God has said is already yours. And when we say we have to walk in it and possess it, God did it. They just carried a sword in their hand for show. Come on. Amen. God did it. God did it. They just, all they had to do was finish what he started. Amen. I encourage you to go read through that book of Joshua. It's an incredible story. And again, I just have to touch it because I don't have the time. And it says, today when you hear his voice, we don't want to harden our hearts because they, it kept them from arrest. So in Hebrews 4, and listen to this church. This is, the Lord is saying this to us so strong. Verse 1, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Say that out loud. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. There is a rest that God wants you to have in him. Rest is 
a state of mind. It's actually a place in your spirit. It's not, it, as I said last week, the week before, it does not mean you won't be sweating. <laughs> we can be sweating for the Lord, but yet resting in Him. We can even be suffering for the Lord. There are many, even to this day, in foreign countries, in the Middle East and in China and in places that we don't even know of that are still suffering physically for Christ, and yet they have a place of rest in their spirit. They have a place of rest. They found that rest in Him. Rest is an internal thing. It is not a physical condition. It's internal. It's in your mind. It's in your spirit. Amen. But it says God's rest, it still stands. It's a promise that he gave us. It says, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. What he's saying here is, is this is attainable for us. And he's not saying tremble with fear like I'm afraid that I won't ever achieve it. What he means is he's saying, listen, it's there for you, but you have to be serious about it. You have to be diligent. Just as he warned Joshua, everywhere you go, Every single place your foot goes is yours. You need to hear that. Everywhere you go is yours. The enemy will tell you it's not. And you need to listen to God. It's whose report will we believe? Whose voice are you going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the impossibilities? Are we going to listen to the trial? Are we going to listen to everybody cursing us and accusing us? And even people that say, this church will be nothing. And see, look, you know, I knew you'd be nothing. And you're going to fall apart and all kinds of curses that come. Those things come. We need to just listen to the Lord. We need to listen to the Lord and not to man. Listen to the Lord and not to our own minds that say, I can't, I won't. And I'm not trying to preach a mind over matter, positive speaking sermon to you, but we need to realize that the world just stole that from the word. That's God's word. That's God's word. When we understand what he has done and what he said, and then we believe it, they failed to enter because they didn't believe. So it literally starts at belief. If I believe God then I'm going to think differently, speak differently, and act differently. And there's a, that's the rest. The rest is the wrestling, wrestling inside of you, or rest. I can wrestle or I can rest. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. That's irrelevant. It says, for this good news that God has prepared, this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. It's the same exact promise. So here we are in Hebrews. He told of this promise all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Moses, and then to Joshua, and then so on, all the way to us. It says it's the same promise to us. It says, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Verse 3, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. Okay, my iPad turned off. Thank you, Lord. We're not going to let that stop us, though, are we? See, I, we just got to start laughing more. We just got to start getting filled with God's joy. God's so good to us. He has such a big plan and purpose for us. The enemy just, and he's such a punk. He really is. He's a toothless lion. He cannot do anything. God says, don't fear what they can do to the body. Fear God who can do something to your soul. So when we fear God, I'm not afraid of God. It means I walk in reverence of him. 
I don't worry about what's going to happen on this earth and what's going to happen to us and what they say about us and, and, what ha- and what happens in our day. I'm going to look and say, okay, Lord, I know that I'm secure in the kingdom of God. I know that that's where my security is. Amen. He says, let's continue here. Verse 4, and we'll just read through it. It says, we know it's ready because the place in scriptures where it mentions on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Even God rested. And yet God has been doing, 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 doing. And yet it says he rested. Aren't we happy that God is doing in your life? That he's still on the move. And yet it says he rested. It never says he stopped resting either. He rested. God prepared and then he rested. There's a place in God that even he himself, I mean, he's asking us to be in a place that he lives in. Isn't that incredible that God has invited you into a place where he dwells? I think that's amazing. There's a place that he dwells and he's invited you into that place with him, a place of rest. It says in verse 6, so God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. I love that that word is used there. It's now. You know, that means that no matter when someone read this verse, isn't that amazing? If you read that verse tomorrow, (laughs) it's still today. God is good. Today. Every single day is a new day. Every single time you fail, there's a new day tomorrow. Tomorrow is today to make it right again. Yes, Lord, I'm going to believe you today. I didn't believe you yesterday. I was in worry. I was in fear. I was listening to that report. This happened, that happened, but today is a new day, and today I'm going to believe you. And the Lord says, okay, that's it, just like that. Okay. And we go, but Lord, I'm sorry about yesterday and all that. And he says, I know. I, but I, and we carry on with him, and he says, I, I don't even know what you're talking about now. You just said, I'm sorry for yesterday. Now I'm confused. What are we talking about? Today is a new day. Amen. He said, so today again, he says, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. You know, he said that New Testament, we're quoting this, that thing can always happen to us. The Lord we must be encouraged. We must be encouraged. We must listen to him. We cannot harden our hearts. The temptation to not believe him will be around until this world wraps up and a new heaven and a new earth begin. There will be a temptation to not believe God. In fact, that temptation is going to increase, not decrease. It will increase, especially as the world gets smarter. You know what the Bible says of the wisdom of this world? It's foolishness to God. But when they get smarter and smarter and smarter, and they no longer need God. I mean, we're not too far away from just creating a whole new body from you. In fact, it's probably been done. If you're rich enough, it's probably already there. We just don't know about it on mainstream. But even when we know in the mainstream, give you a new heart, give you new hips, give you new new knees, give you artificial lungs. We just put your brain in the computer, and then you don't even need a body. And more and more and more and more, We just don't need God. We don't need God. We know everything. We know everything about everything. And yet, 
The Bible says that it's foolishness. It's more and more and more foolishness. And so we must believe him now while there's still time, while it's still today. That's why he says that. He says, verse 8, and this is what I want you to hinge on. I want you to remember this of anything today. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest. So see, he commands Joshua to do it, but what Joshua started, Jesus finished. What Joshua started, Jesus finished. It says, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Just as God did after creating the world, so let us do our best to enter that rest. I think it's interesting in verse 11 that he says, do your best to enter the rest. He says, to strive, to work, and being in rest. Because you know, it's a rest in God. It is not a rest in your flesh. Resting in God is just the opposite of resting in this world. Resting in this world means what? A Sunday nap, sitting in the hammock, right? Sitting on your rocking chair, watching your sports shows. That's resting in this world. Resting in God is actually prayer. It's study. It's I'm so tired, Lord, in my body because I've been seeking you so long. I've been working with your people. I'm getting up early. I'm staying up late, spending time with you. And yet I'm at rest. Come on. We need to get this as his church. We are not, the rest of God is not the rest of this world. It says that they have rested from their labors. We try, 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 try to get things done in this life. When the trials come, we try every avenue first. And then we say, okay, God, I've got no choice but to turn to you. We know we all do it. Well, I can do this. I can make this happen. I can move this around and sell this and buy that, do this and call this one and call that one and make this and move that and I can make it happen. The Lord's like, will you just rest? You want me to rest? Yeah, I want you to get on your face and I want you to start seeking me, calling on me. Get in my word. Get around the people of God. Spend time with me and spend time with God's people. That's his rest. Amen. And so to close here, he says... But if we disobey as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So there's such a key here. He's telling us to be diligent to enter a rest. It says, so then, and I love this. This is, it says, so since we have a high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings. Come on, amen. He's talking about a rest, and yet it says that Jesus stands in the gap. He faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So here's how we enter the rest. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to... Help us when we need it most. That is entering his rest. It's calling upon Jesus. 
it's okay. Here's what's in front of me, but I've got a high priest. He's been through it all. He's faced it all. He's seen it all. The devil didn't stop him. Jesus, I need you again. You know, Jesus never, ever gets tired on you calling on him. Jesus is never bored by your prayer. <laughs> we think that he doesn't want to spend time with us. He's bored by us. You know, I've told you this a thousand times. You just must not want to answer it. And the Lord's like, listen, I'm on the move. I'm doing it. Hold on. I did it. I made a way. Hold on. Everybody, come on. We need to hold on to him. That's rest. I'm going to rest in you. Jesus, it doesn't look like it. And I don't care. I still see a giant in front of me, and I don't care. I still see a wall. I still see impossibilities. I don't care because I'm looking at you instead of looking at that. Amen? Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your glory, your grace, your mercy, Lord, that has been put upon us. And there's so much more that could be said, Lord, of how great your promise is. As Peter said, Lord, your precious promise is towards us. Lord, it's so great. You're so mighty. You're worthy, Lord, of our praise for how good you are. And we just give you glory, Lord. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that this word would get planted down deep in our hearts. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for life to grow out of that place, Lord God. It would consume. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that every single weed that has sprouted in our hearts of doubt, of confusion, of division, Lord, of, of worry and fear. I pray in Jesus' name for a supernatural ortho right now. Kill every single thing that is not of you and to grow life inside of us, faith inside of us again, to believe you, God. We believe you. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And our faith says that God has never failed us before. Why would he fail us now? If he has never failed us so far, why would he fail us suddenly? We thank you, God. Forgive us. Lord, we must repent as well. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Just to wash away yesterday, we repent, Lord, for our, our unbelief. We turn, Lord. That's what it means to turn from our unbelief. We give it to you. We repent of it. And Lord, we ask you again. Yes, Lord. We just declare. I just feel like, you know what, as a church, can we just stand just for a minute? Let's just declare some things. Jesus, we declare in Jesus' name that our families will be saved. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. We're not going to look at their mocking words. We're not going to look at their frowns when we speak about Jesus and their rolling eyes. We look inside that soul, inside that spirit, in those loved ones, and in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, every single one of them will be saved. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and we declare it. We don't look at the sickness or the ailment, but in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, every single one of those things that have come against the body, they will fail in Jesus' name, and life will have its way in us in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that everything that has tried to come and touch this church financially, Lord, wherever it's at in their lives, thank you, Lord, in our lives, in the name of Jesus, every devourer, Lord, your word says, rebuke the devourer, thank you, Lord, wherever he has come to devour 
us, Lord, to devour what is ours, Lord. You have declared to us, you have blessed us, you have given us everything, and the enemy has come to many and tried to steal away, burning rubber and getting nowhere. And I thank you, Lord, that that devourer is rebuked in Jesus' name. We don't look at what we have now. We look at what we have in you, Jesus. We Instead, we looked at, wow, Lord, you've never failed us so far. Instead, we look and we say, wow, Lord, you have always put food on my table. You have always clothed us. You have always given us every need we've needed. I thank you, Lord God, and he always will in Jesus' name. We declare that the hardness, in the, the stubbornness, the pride, the, the uh, obstinance, the apathy in this valley towards God, I thank you, Lord, that that spirit, those spirits are going to bow their knee to Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that the churches of this valley will be flooded They'll be flooded. This, the churches, Lord, I pray, prepare our hearts. Just get us ready, Lord, because they're coming. They're coming into the churches in this valley to seek the Lord again. That every spirit that has tried to come and get us focused on Sunday football and on our, on our hobbies and on our, on our stuff and in traveling and commuting and family and all the just, just endless stuff endless things to get us so distracted. Just get us looking anywhere but to you, Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus, devil, you must bow your knee to the name of Jesus. We're going to keep declaring it. We're going to stand with the churches declaring Jesus in this valley. I thank you, Lord. There are many other pastors and churches, faithful churches, standing in the gap and praying for this valley. And we stand with them right now. We declare it doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what we see in this room. In the name of Jesus, we declare in Jesus' name, Lord, in their beds, Lord, that they would wake up and know it's time to go back, Lord. Even you've been faithful. You've done that for me, Lord. I knew that it was the day to go to church. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, it was a day to turn back to you. I pray, Lord, that no matter where they turn, no matter what they do, that they, Lord, be irritated by you, Lord. You won't leave them alone. And they just say, fine, Lord, what do you want from me? Thank you, Lord God. And I thank you. You'll meet them with love and grace and mercy in Jesus' name. We just thank you, God. We don't live by what we see. We live by faith. We live by you, Lord. We know that you have declared this valley is ours. This valley is the Lord's. It's been the enemy's too long, and it's time to start treading upon this valley and declaring it to the Lord. This valley is the Lord's. Jericho, in Jesus' name, you will fall. We're going to do it God's way. We're not going to do it our way. We're not going to get ahead of God. But Jericho, in this valley, you will fall. Every single giant, every single obstinate force that has put itself against God to keep God out of this valley in the name of Jesus. Every witchcraft, every curse, every hex, everything that's been spoken, even generational ago, in the name of Jesus, we break your power and we speak life into this valley, even to this very ground, into this building, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you.